Good morning. Welcome to Indy One Community Church. Excellent. We're going to once again start the day by telling you to tell yourself the truth. We lie to ourselves a lot. Today, again, we're starting with telling yourself the truth. I hope you were able to hear those lyrics. We wrote them up in here for you as well so you can hear the end part there. Just want this part to sink in for you. No matter the bumps, no matter the bruises, no matter the scars, still the truth is the cross has made. The cross has made you flawless. You think what your bumps are and your bruises, you know them because they come to your mind right away. Why am I not good enough? As we go on, the next thing I want you to be able to say with me as we tell ourselves the truth today is, I am a child of God. I'd like you to say it out loud with me, okay? One, two, three. I am a child of God. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Tell yourself the truth. You may be seated. We love to have stories, and today we have a great story. We're doing something different today. As you can tell, we got some, uh, some different colors on today. Susie, come on. Those of you who don't know Susie, well, you should. Here she is. This is Susie, and Susie's breaking our heart and making us celebrate today all at once. This is Susie's last Sunday with us, and we're sad. But before she goes, Susie wanted to make sure that she could leave after having been baptized. She said, I can't go without doing this. So we want to hear your story, Susie. Come on up here. You get the full stage right now. Tell us about yourself. All right. I had to write it down because otherwise I'll probably just waffle on a bit. Um, Excuse the accent. I say some of the words slightly different as well. But <laughs> so I'll start right away. When I was 12, I had some pretty traumatic stuff happen to me. And <laughs> it was over a period of six years. And it still does affect me. And it's something I will always live with. But facing it on my own over the last few years, it, it continually took me down the path away from knowing Christ and away from knowing true freedom. So a few years ago, I made the decision that I wanted to start going to church. But by that time, my parents, they had stopped going. Um, I'd pushed away all my Christian friends who had continually tried to get me coming to church with them. Um, And I didn't really know where to go. And it's really scary going to a church on your own. So I went to a few services, but I kept telling myself that church didn't actually have anything to do with my relationship with the Lord, Um, but I still knew that I needed help, and I wanted relationships that were actually guided by the Holy Spirit. I wanted fellow Christians in my life who could help me overcome my fears of going to church alone and who could help my faith mature and grow. So I continued to pray, and I kept asking God for his people in my life, And I kept seeking forgiveness for my daily sins, but I didn't know who Jesus is. And I didn't understand that for the freedom and the peace that I was craving, it's just as important to forgive the man that brought so much darkness into it for those long years. I'm shaking a light. 
um, two years ago, I moved to Canada and I met my partner Nick and through him, I met Sandra and Victor Morasic. I cry, <laughs> I cry a lot. <laughs> I have like big bag of emotions. <laughs> I am so blessed for these amazing people who have helped me to grow the last few years. And I know that it was definitely an answer for my prayers. And through the Morassics, I started coming to Into One last March. And I love coming here. I love all you people and I love the music and the sense of community that's here that I'm feeling the Holy Spirit every Sunday that I come. And I also now know that Jesus, Jesus can renew me. Christ is working in me and I feel it all the time. And I want my love for the Lord to continue to grow as well. I don't want my life to be controlled or enslaved by the actions of my abuser. I choose to forgive and to be set free. And today I've chosen to love Jesus and be set free. I know that... To fully forgive the person that affected so much of who I am today, it's really hard in my human mind because it doesn't mean that I forget. So it's something that I'm working on bit by bit with the strength that God has promised. And coming here has honestly, it's truly helped so much because I have already felt so much peace since March last year when I first came to Into One. And I know it's the Holy Spirit working and I want more. I want to change. I want to grow and I want to mature in my faith. And that's why today I have made my choice to follow Jesus. Well, we're trying out a year of firsts. There's a whole lot of firsts. The first time that I've ever done a baptism without the water that we're walking into. <laughs> the, uh, the tank here works, but the hot water doesn't. So we have a system. We're going to use buckets today. So Susie's going to be here. And then we have three members uh, with me of the steering committee, Dan Murphy, Kristen Murphy, and Jim Wilson. And together, we're going to pour the water on Susie. Right after that, we're going to uh, come back and gather together, and we're going to pray for her and anoint her. So when we come to that section, I'd love it. If you guys could stand with us in a, in a symbol of prayer. For those of you who feel comfortable, sometimes we use the, the idea of the extension of a hand to say, hey, I'm with this. I'm praying too. I'm there. And I'm sending, um, I'm sending my spirit to join in in this conversation. So if you feel comfortable, please do that. We won't give you further direction on that. That's just sort of what's going to happen as we go forward. Okay? So. I'm right here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't leave. Susie, based on your confession of faith that we have heard, your testimony of your faith, your love of the Lord Jesus, and what the work that he has already begun, we are here to help you complete that work. Is it now your intention to give your life over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Yes, that's my intention. <laughs> yes, that's my intention. Then, we will now... In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, baptize you. <laughs> We've never done this before. 
take some oil and we're going to anoint you. Oil is not magic. We don't have anything magic that's going to happen here, but we use oil frequently as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to be praying for together is for the Holy Spirit of God to indwell Susie, to be there and to cause the gifts that he has given to her to come forth. We're going to ask that that would happen, that she would be filled and that she would move in power from the Holy Spirit. going to take a little of that. Pray with me if you will. Kind Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate today. There's all kinds of things we get to celebrate, but today, today is special. Lord God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would indwell Susie. That, it, that he, that he would continue to shine forth, that he would reign in power, that he would move and transform, bringing about healing, transforming her mind, releasing her into a new life of freedom from sin, that you would cause her to come back to you regularly to check up on those things that you would cause your voice to become strong, that she might hear it and follow. Obedience is the next task, and it is challenging. And so we, we thank you that she will not go alone. She will never be alone again. Your Holy Spirit travels with her, indwells her. And God, we pray that the gifts that you have set aside for Susie would be made manifest. That means that they would come to life in her and that she would be able to be a great benefit to the church of Jesus Christ as a whole, no matter where she goes. And God, we are sad to say goodbye to Susie because she has been a great part of our fellowship for this last year. But we recognize that you are Lord and God and Father of all and that where she goes, she is under your care and protection. And where she goes, she will be going to join brothers and sisters of ours. So we pray that she would find welcome in these places and that she would be able to bring the joy of the knowledge of Jesus Christ that she has to many. God, we pray that her story would be well listened to, that it would be heeded and that people would be set free because of it. Anoint her now with the joy of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Fill her with the Holy Spirit. Give her great clarity in her knowledge with Jesus and with you, the Father. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good morning again. Hey, in case you don't recognize me, my name is Graham. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we've joined together today, and uh, huh, it's a little bit of a rush. There's good things there, and I feel like sometimes I rush through these beautiful moments so that we can get stuff done. I want to get stuff done, but I want to enjoy that moment as well. It's a beautiful thing to see a story like that, to be involved in that, and maybe you can remember a story from yourself of, 
of change that you've been through, or maybe you're in a place where you're saying, man, what I like to, <laughs> I would love to be able to have a story that, that talks about the possibility of forgiveness. I'd love to have a story that has some part of it that says, I could be free. Maybe that's where you are, and we're going to talk about some of that stuff today. I want to remind you that we are looking to get involved with the, um, the walk, the coldest night of the year. You just saw the video for it. It's February 25th. I want to encourage you again, sign up to walk, sign up to, uh, to donate, raise money with us as we try to support um, the folks in our area. The money is going to stay here. It's not going to go somewhere else. We have lots of other times and chances for us to give money to go somewhere else, and we follow that up carefully. But this time we're going to give specifically to a, create a partnership between churches that is there to facilitate larger needs that normally we just can't do anything about. We say, hey, I got a food card for you, but you don't really need a food card. You, you need help that's beyond that, and we're going to try and put together a partnership. Beautiful, I, I can't say it enough. A partnership between churches where we will work together to meet the needs of those people in our midst. I can't encourage you strongly enough. Please, sign up to be involved with Coldest Night of the Year. We need people to be here we're a halfway point on one of the walks. If you can't walk the whole thing or you don't really want to walk the whole thing, we need volunteers to be here to uh, help people out in the middle. But if you can walk, if you can raise funds, all of the money going in that direction. There it is. There's the commercial. It's all done. But it's not a program, right? This is what we believe. This, this, this is what we're about. This is what we do. So let's do it. Okay, welcome to uh, week three of Base Camp. We've done two weeks already, and uh, this is our last week of Base Camp for now, all right? We're going to do this week, and then next week, we're starting something else called Outflow, and I'll tell you about that at the end, and then we're going to rejoin Base Camp and keep it going in March, okay? Beautiful. So if you got your, your notes when you came in, that's fantastic. There's going to be notes up on the screen, and because this week went so well, there's even notes online. So if you want to follow along in your, in your smartphone, get the free app called Uversion. The bottom right corner, there's a tab called More. You tap on More, click on Events, search into one, it will come up. In there, you're going to find our announcements. You're going to find a link for online giving. You're going to find the scriptures that we're going to use. There's a place for you to take notes. All the information is there. And if you like it, you can save it and you can follow along. We want you to know where it is that this stuff comes from, so you can think about it again later. That's why we record as well. So if it went by too fast, you can go back and listen. Again, we don't want you to take my word for it. All right? I'm telling you that. Don't take my word for it. Go and look yourself. Go engage yourself. Ask God to help you understand where we are. Okay? So that's where we, um, we're going there. So if you'd like to give online, there's a link for that. If not, there's uh, the... Uh, black box at the back that you can uh, put your offering in there. There's envelopes there to make sure your tax receipted, all that kind of stuff is taken care of. And we can be about the things that God would have us to do. We say to people, you want to engage with God? You want to find a connection? Time, treasure, talent. Those things, we learn to be generous with our time, with our talent, and with our treasure. It will not control me. It will not hold me. I have been set free my God provides for me, and this is a way to practically take a step to live that thing out, all right? So that's why we offer you that opportunity and to engage. We have come 
through another major step. I'm not sure if you noticed outside the concrete uh, capping is done on the outside of the building. We got the, the, uh, the princess tower roof over here. I call that because that's where we lock up our princess up there. Um, that roof has been redone. The roof down here has been redone. We have got electrical work. You can see that it's happening around you. And in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be significant changes that come about inside as well as the background kind of stuff is being done. We're doing this not because we think that you need to be um, entertained by our decoration, but because we are building a base station, just like we're building a, a mental base camp right now. This is our place that we reach out from. It's a giant sign to our community to take this building that they thought had kind of been shut down and wasn't used for anything, and to put the flag back up, to light it up again, to say this is the house, not the only one, but this is a house that is dedicated to the worship of Jesus Christ. And we want people to know that. We want them to be changed by that. We want to encourage. We want to help our town. We want to be involved in people's lives. So we are doing that. And so we have, uh, we've, we've got some bills that we need to pay off. So that's all I'm going to say about that part. And we're going to go forward. All right. Um, we started with the idea that everything has a starting point. You have a starting point. Some of you happened on purpose. Some of you happened as a wonderful, blessed surprise. We're glad you're here, but you had a starting point. We have a starting point, and so did our faith. We were handed concepts and ideas and stories as frequently as children, and they became our framework for faith and how we're going to live and how we're going to go forward. But then as we grew up, we didn't necessarily work too hard on our spiritual maturity. We kind of just hoped that it would happen by itself. But it didn't. That's not the way it works. And, and, and as we grew up, we started to feel that there was a separation. There's a space between our, our faith framework that we were given and the actual experiences that we have. And we see, how do these things line up? They seem to be divergent. And so we had questions. And we became unsure and the faith that we had seemed to fade backwards while the rest of life that we were living continued to move forwards. And we didn't notice the separation that was coming there. And so we're building, building, building. So again, if you miss a week, if you haven't been here or you, had, you, you fell asleep or, or whatever it was that happened, we have all the stuff recorded. It's all going on our podcast. You can get it through iTunes. Just search into one. There's not too many into ones out there. Or you can go to our website and you get the podcast from there because we're going to take the stuff that we worked on at the beginning and we're building upon it. I'm, I'm implying that you would know some of those things as we go forward, especially with taking the break in the middle. We're going to need to be able to use that as a resource, okay? Um, stay connected with us because it's not something that's just about you. This is very much an about we. We are going together. It's not just you we are trying to travel in this direction together. So we said that faith has a starting point, but did you ever think that the story of faith has a starting point? Every faith tradition has a story behind it. They've all got history, and these stories are fascinating. I say that because it's the truth, and I say it because, well, I know that most of you are not interested in that at all. And I'm just a little bit nerdier than you are. But when it comes to faith and, and, and these things with God, the question is not just how did it become, how did it begin? We don't, we're not really caring about that. We don't say who's the founder of my faith. 
What we care about is that today is Sunday, and I asked God, I started asking him on Tuesday, where's my God when I need him? That test that I have is tomorrow. Where is that super spirit brain to come to just give me all the answers? And that's part of the reason that many of us have drifted away. You don't know the history of your faith. You don't know where it comes from or why it's there. So today, we're going to go back in time, and I want to tie something in, um, something that will have to do with how you've struggled in your faith experience. I want, to, I want to tie it to something that happened a long, 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 long time ago, and hopefully that can guide us as we go forward in the future. Did you know that the three largest faith traditions claim the same starting point? Did you know that? Did you ever think about it? Islam. Judaism, Christianity, all have the same faith starting point. All three believe that there is a single God who created the heavens and the earth and that sometimes use different names for him. All three believe that the first man on earth was named Adam, which just so happens to mean man. The prophet Muhammad taught that Adam was actually the first Muslim and also the first prophet. In Judaism... Adam is the first person. Christians also take the story of Adam and Eve seriously. But the reason that Christians take it seriously is not just because it's in the book of Genesis. When we started, you remember what we said? We're not starting here with the idea simply that the Bible says. No, we take it seriously because Jesus mentions Adam and Eve and he teaches about Adam and Eve and we believe Jesus first. All three also believe that somehow humanity messed up God's incredible creation. God created a perfect world, and then human beings started making selfish choices, and we messed the whole thing up. Now, regardless of what you believe about Adam and Eve, after last week, we could cover this, we can all agree with the idea that human beings mess stuff up. We're not just mistakers, we're sinners. It's bigger And it's more ongoing than a moment in time that is a mistake. So all three faith traditions believe that God focused attention and interaction around a single man. Not the only man that there was, but he focused on a single man. Through whom God began to correct the stuff that had gone wrong in this world. God began to undo or to clean up, to wipe up the mess That we had made. This guy, this man, you've probably heard of him. His name is Abraham. Abraham is where the three major religions all come together. Abraham is also where the three major religions all separate. At Abraham, Islam goes in one direction, and Judaism goes in another direction, and then hundreds of years later, Christianity goes in a new direction from Judaism. But Islam, Judaism and Christianity all look back to Abraham as our father, as father, the father of the faith, our founder, and and, and that God began to intersect with humanity in a strategic partnership to fix the problem of sin, disobedience, corruption, and selfishness in the world. Now, I know that you're probably saying to yourself, this is all super hugely interesting and all, but... Right? It's always the but. The reason we're going to talk about this is because there's a conversation 
It's recorded in the book of Genesis between God and Abraham. Now, regardless of what you believe about the Bible and regardless of where you are in your faith or your lack of faith, this conversation touches on a tension. It's a tension that you have probably felt, that you have you've wrestled with to some degree. And perhaps you're wrestling with it even today based on your childhood faith foundation. It's based on a question that we have all asked at some point. And the question goes something like this. If there is a God, how am I doing? Where do I stand with God? Does he hear my prayers? Does God care? Can I ever have peace? Can I ever know? Will I ever have security about the future? And this little conversation has a statement. And it's incredible because it's very brief and it's perplexing and powerful at the same time. And I want you to wrestle with it. I don't want to try and make it just easy for you. This is what you should do. I want you to do some work here too because this is what generates maturity. No one can make you believe. And at our church, we have set aside five faith catalysts. We focus on those to help create an atmosphere where faith can take hold. But we can't make you have it. We can't give it to you. We can only put you in scenarios and and sections and, and places and opportunities where it is possible for faith to grow. And that's our goal. We want your faith to grow. But you have to engage. And so that's why I don't want to make this too easy for you. You do need to engage with some questions. And you actually have to work through answering them. It was the lack of answering some of these questions earlier in your life that has caused you to grow up with an immature faith. An immature faith that cannot stand up to the trials of your mature life. And so we're going to help you get past that. There's an Abraham and you side to this story. So I want to tell you a story, first of all, to help set up this dilemma that God was in and why Abraham was the guy that that, uh, he ever turned to. Okay, So there was a certain child in the kitchen in bare feet. And this child, my child, was struggling climbing on the counter. He was trying to get something out of a cabinet a little past his reach. And there followed a prolonged series of crashes. I'm there and I can sort of sense what's going on and I know what's happening. It's all in the peripheral. It goes on, but then there were the crashes and it went from being my peripheral to being my key focus. Crash, crash, And when I got there, there's my son standing in the middle of a sea of broken glass, in bare feet, looking ahead, looking afraid, looking fearful, looking apologetic, looking sad, looking lost and alone. And as I approach, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. At which point, of course, I raised my finger and I pointed at him and said, I can't believe what you've done. You can just stand there. This serves you right. You should have been more careful. You know the rules. I have told you again and again. How many times have I told you not to be climbing on the counters? Stop reaching for things that are too high. And so I walked back. To what I was doing before, and as I walked away, I looked over my shoulder and I said, just stand there and bleed. Some of you, or maybe someone you know, thinks that this is what God 
is like. Some of you think that God stares at you in your own sea of glass, a mess of your making, all the damages and the consequences of your sin and your decisions. And he says, look at what you've done. I'll be over here while you think about what you've done. I'll wait over here as you try to figure out what to do. Call me when you get this mess cleaned up and I'll come over and I'll inspect it then. Yet for everyone who kind of thinks that God is like that, you don't believe for a moment that I would leave my son alone standing in a sea of broken glass. Which means that you believe that I have more compassion than God. Which makes me more compassionate than God. Which makes me more godly than God. Which is not true. Which means that perhaps there is something about God that you do not know. So I did what any good father would do. And I said, don't move, don't move, stand still. And then I had a decision to make. Here's a huge mess. My son is trapped in the middle. And somehow I have to rescue him. So I do what you do when you're in a mess that seems too big and you don't even know where to begin to clean it up. I looked at him. I saw what I needed to do. I took my foot and I took the first big piece of glass and I slid it aside. And then I took the next piece and I slid it aside. And I kept sliding these pieces aside until I could get to him. Not making it wide, just enough to get to him because I wanted to get to him as fast as I could. And I picked him up and I hugged him and I carried him over to where there was no glass. If this had been paint, and you were looking at that floor with that kind of mess that's down there, you start thinking to yourself, maybe, maybe we just sell the house, you know? Maybe it's just too big to clean up. In a similar way, mankind has so polluted our world that we think about injustice of our world, but we cannot even imagine the injustices that happened in the ancient world that were just everyday events. There was no law. There's no civil society. It was always the survival of the fittest. Might makes right. Wealth equals human value. Slavery? Not even a second thought. Kidnapping? Commonplace. If you want someone, you just take them. There were no city-states. There were no nation-states like we can have in our world today. In a very chaotic and out-of-control society, there was unimaginable sin on an everyday, regular basis. And it was just Tuesday. That's the way you'd think of it. And God stared into that world and he saw that sin had fully taken hold. And, and, and if, if he was a God who cared, if he was a God who was compassionate, he had a decision to make. Do I wade into this mess that somebody else has made and create a starting point for cleaning up that mess that someone else made or do I just throw up the clothes for business, out of order sign, on the whole world, walk away? Maybe I just go somewhere else and do something else with someone else. And all of the major faith traditions believe that God decided to wade into the mess that humanity had made. 
And he waded in by choosing a single man, Abraham, and he started there. So around 1876 BC, God interrupted humanity and he chose Abraham as his starting point. Starting point to, to fix this mess that humanity had made of the planet. And it's interesting because Abraham, he's just an ordinary guy. He could have come here. He wasn't super righteous. He had some big issues, all right? And the stories about him reveal a lot of those kind of messed up guy characteristics. It's not just Abraham was perfect and he was great. The Bible makes sure that we know. The writer of Genesis wants it to be clear that Abraham's a regular guy. He's full of human stuff. But God had to start somewhere. So he picked imperfect Abraham. And in the book that we're going to look at first, it's going to be Genesis. We're going to go to the chapter 12, starting right at the beginning. Here's part of that conversation. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Please leave and abandon your entire circle of influence. I realize that you have no kids, and by this time your wife is getting too old. She probably won't ever have kids. And I want to isolate you, Abraham, because I'm starting over. Abraham, I'm going to do something new. I'm starting something that is ultimately going to impact the whole world. And I've chosen you. Don't ask me why. I had to start somewhere. So God has three promises that he gave to Abraham. Three interesting promises. And now as we go on, I need you to understand that I'm not trying to make you believe that any of this is true. All right? I'm just asking you to listen because it is certainly curious, even if you don't think it's true. Promise number one, beginning of Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 now. I will make you into a great nation. That came true, you know. The nation of Israel says, we're that great nation. The Arab nations say, no, we are that great nation. And there's an argument over which great nation is meant. But there is no argument that many great nations came from the man Abraham. The promise by God to Abraham made almost 4,000 years ago absolutely came true. God was about to address this big problem, the sin, the disobedience, the corruption in the world, and he began to drain the swamp on earth. And yet he started with a man and he basically said, I'm going to make you into a nation. First, I'll make you into, family, into a family. Then I'm going to make you into a nation. To which Abraham could have said, you know, raised up his hand and said, but God, it's going to take a long time. So God has a problem on his hands. And he picks a man and, and he says, one day, someday, you're going to be a great nation. I'm going to build a nation. And through partnership with that nation, I'm going to do a significant work in the world. Promise two continues in verse 2. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. So, survey time, all right? If you have ever heard the name Abraham, if you ever heard any part of the story of Father Abraham, that, any part of that story before today, if you've ever heard any part of it, raise your hand. Ever heard anything about Abraham? All right? Not everyone, but almost everyone. It's pretty amazing, right? What about this guy? Cheddar Lowermer. 
Have you heard of him? General Armour? Anyone? He's a king. Big king, famous king. He was the king of Edom. Have you ever heard of Edom? Could you find Edom on a map? You can't find it on a modern map because the kingdom doesn't exist anymore. The dirt's still there, but Edom isn't. In Abraham's day, everyone Abraham knew would know Cheddar Lowermer. How is it that you have never heard of him? So God says to a nobody, I'm going to make your name great. And here we are about 4,000 years later, halfway around the world, in a different language, in a different culture, and basically everyone knows something about this guy, Abraham. I know who Abraham is. Curious, isn't it? Another promise fulfilled by God. Promise three. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Super cool. Remember, we've talked about this before, that the idea is that we have been blessed to be a blessing to all nations. Peoples, not people. People groups, collections of people. Somehow all people groups are going to be influenced, or more literally, all people groups are going to be better off because of you. The Muslim nations would say, yeah, that's right. That's us. Look what we've done. And all the Muslims and all the Muslim nations are better off because of Abraham. And all the Jewish people who have ever lived say, yeah, look at all those people that the Jews have made better. Look at what we've done. All blessed because of Abraham. And all the Christians would say, no, 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 no. Think of all the things the Christians have done. Hospitals, schools, orphanages, humanitarian aid. Look at us. We've just gone all over the world and made things better. We have been a blessing Part of that long, reaching, extended blessing from Abraham. To which God would say, yeah, that was my point. All the peoples of earth will be blessed through Abraham. Aren't those interesting, ancient coincidences? There's no one who comes even close in our world to touching the world like Abraham does. And you can't help but notice that all three major faith traditions says he's ours. That's the history part. Now here's the personal part. Abraham's getting older and God says he's going to make him into a great nation. The whole world's going to be blessed through you. But he's an old man and he's got no children. He realizes this. He realizes that his inheritance, everything he owns, will not go to a relative. It's going to go to a guy named Eleazar. How many of you people have ever heard of Eleazar? Right? Another guy in this story who's just about to inherit all of Abraham's blessing. Eleazar was Abraham's chief servant. And everything that Abraham had was set to go to him. And Abraham's thinking to himself and he's struggling, how can these promises that God gave me actually come true? I don't see how it happens. And so one night he's praying and he's struggling and going, God, I don't get this at all. It makes no sense to me. How can this possibly be? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Maybe maybe, maybe you didn't know that you were praying when you said it. Maybe you just said it because you were kind of angry. How can this actually be? How will this actually work out? Genesis 15. Then the word of the Lord came to him. 
This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Don't worry, Abraham. I know what the problems are. I know what the problems are before you knew what the problems were. But I have solutions. I didn't set you on this path to abandon you on this path. I set you on the path towards relationship. And so he took him outside. And he said, look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham, I want you to trust me. And I know that it will be hard to trust me. I'm not pretending that it's easy. Trust me. You will become a great nation. And then the writer of Genesis makes a statement that's it's so powerful and so personal. And maybe, maybe you've read this before, or maybe not. But, it, but it's easy to read right over and just keep on going. Because so often, when we, if we ever set the time to read the Bible, we've got to go, i got to get finished, i got to go, i got to go, i got to go, i got to get another chapter. Because my reading plan said I have to have another chapter done today. And I don't need to, to understand it, I just need to finish it. Just keep reading. But there's some really profound implications here. And as we start, we can tell that this might very well be the very first time in history that God states the nature of the relationship between God and humanity. That's a pretty important thing to find. How can someone so small and flawed and finite as me have a relationship with Almighty God? I mean, is it even possible? And here, God sets the terms. He describes how it's going to work. How will a relationship with me be? And you've asked this question in your own way, right? Can I know? Can anyone really know? How will we know where we stand before this invisible, silent God? How, how will I know? And this statement is where the Christians, the Muslims, and the Jews go in three different directions. This is a statement that none of the three major faiths were ever able to embrace fully without adding to. It's unbelievable. And it's unbelievably simple. It sounds too good to be true. And honestly, if, if I was going to tell you that this is just coming from me, you should seriously question whatever this is. But I'm not saying it comes from me. This is the way God described it. This time... Hundreds of years before Moses, hundreds of years before the Ten Commandments, hundreds of years before the Jewish law ever existed, 2,600 years before Islam, 2,000 years before Jesus, and God makes promises to Abraham, and Abraham believed. He believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. I have no children, and I'm going to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the heaven. Okay, I'll trust you. And in that super teeny tiny moment, that single solitary expression, God credited to Abraham a righteous standing before God. 
In a single moment, and in a single expression of faith, God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you the gift of right standing with me. All that junk that happened before, not going to hold it against you. That thing in Egypt about your wife and your lying and stuff like that, embarrassing, not going to hold it against you. This is the, the, the first implication that what the world had lived with was out of line. Trusting God resulted in right standing with God. This is the first hint that a human being can have a relationship with a right standing before God. And how did it happen? Faith, too spiritual, trust. That's how. But then we have been practicing messing it up for years, okay? And I'm not trying to be critical here. I'm just trying to load us all up on this road trip together. So here's what happened. Years would go by and the Jews would come along and, and, and they would miss this thing. And they'd say, no, 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 no. Um, what you have to do to have a right standing before God is by being Jewish. We ain't God's chosen people for nothing. And by the time Jesus showed up a couple of thousand years before, uh, after that, the Jews said to Jesus, dude, we don't need you. We are Abraham's sons and daughters. That's enough. We're born in. Now, you Gentiles, you people who aren't Jewish, you want to have a right standing with God? Here's what you have to do. You've got to become Jewish. And then if you do that, we can sort of help graft you into this vine, and you can continue on, and you can be called Abraham's sons or Abraham's daughters. It's all about who you're related to. And more time would pass. More time would go pass. About 620-something A.D., more than 600 years after Jesus, the prophet Muhammad would come along and he'd say, no, 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 no. The way you have a right standing with God is that you must believe in the one true God. And you must believe in his prophet. And you must do works and acts of righteousness. And then at the end of your life, when your good works are all measured against your bad, then, then Allah will, will determine if you have a righteous standing before God. God wills it. That's the way it will be. You won't even know until the very end. It's what you believe and it's what you do that counts. And then, <laughs> then about 30 minutes after Jesus left, the Christians start arguing about this and what are we going to do with it? And there's one group that says, step one, become Jewish. Step two, follow all of the Jewish law, all the law of Moses. And then another group comes along and they said they can't keep all the law of Moses. They don't even know the law of Moses. They've never even heard of Moses. And somebody else says, well, you have to believe. And somebody else says, you know what, but it's really hard to believe. And right on through the reformation of the church, it has been split over the issue of how do you know that you have a right standing with God? How do you know when you're approved? How do you know when God says, I love you? You're fine. How do you know when you've done enough? When you've believed enough? How do you know? Can you know? Is it by birth? Is it by behavior? Is it by belief? Is it by some sort of complicated uh, combination of those things? What is it? 400 years before any of those religions existed, before there was anyone who considered themselves to be Jewish or Muslim or Christian, God revealed to Abraham the secret. 
And as we read it, it's incomprehensible to believe that the Most High God would make the standard so simple. That the Most High God would make the bottom rung on the ladder so low. That the Most High God who saw each of us in the middle of our own sea of glass, in a mess of our own making, disobedience that complicated our own lives, regardless of what you believe theologically and regardless of what you believe about sin, We've all been in a place that we know this is a mess that I've created, and we've wondered in that moment, do I dare ask God for help? And that very same God, the King, He informed us that the way that you enter into a relationship where I call you righteous and approved, it's not who you're related to. It's not through your behavior. It's simple. Trust. Will you trust me? Will you do what Abraham did? Will you say, it's hard to believe. It's almost impossible to believe. But I'm going to trust that what you say is true. And that you'll do what you promised to do. And almost everyone has missed it. Because God made it so simple. What if, here's our base camp survival kit question of the day. What if, what if the starting point for a relationship with God is trust? What if we saw what Abraham said to God at the start, where God decided to wade into that sea of glass, And he looked at the big mess all over the world and he decided, I've got to start somewhere. I'll start with that unrighteous man and I'm going to connect with him in a personal way. And all that I require is that he say, God, I trust you. What if that's it? What if that reality can be ours? What if that really can be our entry point to a relationship with God? This is hard. I know it's hard. Minds are racing right now, trying to play over. It's hard because of how you've been raised. It's hard because of what you've heard from people like me. It's hard because of what you heard in temple, or or in the mosque, or or in synagogue, or in church. It's hard because of what you've read. It's hard because of what's been laid on you. There's no other place in the world where you can be unconditionally loved and accepted simply based on trust. Didn't happen at school, did it? Didn't happen on the sports field. Never happened at work. For many of us, To our shame, most of us, I'm so sad to say, it didn't even happen in church. Yet when we go back, we're we're, we're pre-Christian and pre-Islam and pre-Jewish, and we find that one man, that one man that they all want to take credit for, God said to Abraham, I declare you righteous. Because you trusted in me. Simple trust. 
Now, here's a question I want you to, to chat with someone about because it's one thing to have it in your head. It's another thing to work this out, to talk to each other because I think you should talk to each other. Talk to someone. Ask them this. Which of the following best explains or reflects your view and why? God accepts me based upon my birth, my behavior, my belief, or some combination of the above. Not what you just believe in your head, but the way that you live. How do you practice this? Whether you believe in God or not, there's some sort of relationship that comes in here. How do I feel about what's going on? What do you actually believe? What is guiding the way that you live? Is it faith? Is it faith and? Is it pretending none of this actually matters? How did you grow up? What were you taught? Do you believe that? And I want you to hold on to that thought because it's an important one. And again, this is a working kind of stage. It's not about here's just the next step. We're going to come back to this, but we're going to come back to it in a number of weeks. We're going to come back to base camp on March the 5th. Until then, we're going to be doing something else. From the end of January to the end of February, we're going to be doing an application. We just talked about Abraham and the blessings. And the blessing that came from Abraham is that we would be blessed so that we would be a blessing to all nations. So, we're going to look at the outflow of our heart. Where is it that the outflow, when it comes from me, and all that is in me wants to come back out, what does that do, and how does that interact with the world? How does that interact with the people around me? And so, there are a lot of stories coming up in the next couple of weeks, and I just love stories. I love to hear people tell what it's like in the real world. I love the way Susie told us her story of what it's like in the real world to pursue Jesus. Can that work? Does it make a difference? How does it help me? We're going to have a bunch of stories from a bunch of people, real people, real lives, real experiences where they have been wrestling with and trying to follow God. It's going to be great. I love the story sort of stuff. We're going to call this section Outflow. And we are looking at what the outflow of our lives might look like, where that might take us. Until then, until next week, let me pray for you. Kind Father, thank you. Thank you for the way that you are at work here. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. You're welcome to speak to us. Prompt us. We're not trying to force anyone to believe what we do. We're just trying to reveal truth. But for that to be important and that to be significant, you have to be the one who interacts. You have to be the one that prompts and pulls and calls and gently prods us forward. So do that, I pray. Call us forward. Call us towards yourself, we pray. Help us to live this week with simple trust that you will do what you have said you have, will do. Here today, a message not of condemnation and not of judgment, but a direction towards freedom, a direction towards release. That is our cry, and that is the cry of our God, that you would be free. So now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace 
as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for celebrating and trying and thinking and singing. It's better when you're here. It's better when we're together. It's better when we get to wrestle with this stuff and we're not alone. You stand together. And that's a beautiful thing. I believe that the more we connect, the better it gets. The more that we will be drawn into one. And as I send you out into this world that doesn't particularly like us, but is in desperate need of the love that we know the truth behind. I want to remind you that we are Christ-centered, that we are Spirit-empowered, and that we are mission-focused. It's not just about me. We are to be on mission. Everyone. Everywhere. All the time. I am so looking forward to seeing you again next week.